0: Whether it's taking care of family... Mikey, stop harassing your sister. Climbing the corporate ladder. Yes, yes, yes. We need to create a new spreadsheet for the project. I know, I know. Or even taking care of loved ones. I'm here for you, Mom. You have to put you first. It's the Know You First podcast with host Amanda Smith. Welcome back to another episode of the Know You First podcast. I have to admit, I'm kind of feeling myself today and I have this very show to thank because we are talking about bossing up, raising the stakes, leveling up, you know, pick your phrase of choice here because what we're not going to do is stay in our lanes of complacency. Okay, we're not going to do that on this show. There's much in store as our underlying theme is good to great, and what that process really looks like when you're working smart, not hard, on achieving your goals that you've put so much time and effort in. I'm going to introduce you to a few podcasters who I'm personal fans of. You know, I'm not going to brag about something um, or someone that is one, not truly really amazing, and two, isn't a resource that I would use myself. So I'm keeping this intro short because we've got some business to take care of. The Spotlight. Every once in a while, you run across a really great podcast. And since I've launched my podcast back in February, it has been like a slight obsession of mine. I'm actually starting to prefer podcasts over some television shows. Uh, that I would watch faithfully. And, um, you know, just some though. I still have my shows. But yes, I am a late bloomer to the podcast world, but all good. I am here, damn it. <laughs> so this week's Spotlight, I am highlighting another great podcast called Am I Doing This Right? Don't you just love that title? Uh, this podcast offers really great tips on literally everything under the sun, from relationships to careers to getting your finances intact to safe organic products to clean your home Uh, the two hosts behind this podcast are corinne fox and natalie mcmillan two best friends who work in media and if corinne fox's name sounds familiar um yes you've guessed it she is the daughter of jamie fox so that was a nice added bonus is i'm big fans of both and i love the father daughter duo situation you know they both have careers in acting and um, the relationship at least publicly seems to be uh, very genuine and cute so another added bonus of this podcast is though if you follow them on the gram they feature a new wine each week for my avid winos out there (laughs) so yes this podcast is just a very great well-rounded show and has a little bit for everyone And if you're looking to kind of switch up the pace a little bit and want to add another good podcast to your arsenal, you know, this is it. So, yeah. Am I doing this right podcast? Shout out to Corinne Fox and Natalie McMillan. Exclusive guest interviews. I really wish I had Khalees' bossy song playing right now. It would be the perfect theme music as I introduce my next guest. Emily Aries is such a baddie. I really don't even have the time to do a proper introduction as she would take up all of my show minutes here. (laughs) Seriously. I met Emily several years ago when I was executive director for the Alliance for Women in Media DC chapter. And I kept seeing this cute short hair pixie cut blonde girl who was talking about bossing up and was just so fearless in her work with women and leadership. I reached out to her and asked if one of my team members could attend one of her workshops. And my colleague at the time was just so rallied up and excited uh, after, you know, witnessing some of Emily Aries. Needless to say, I did my own homework and yes, found out that she is amazing. Emily's work with women and people in marginalized groups is so motivating. She listens and she keeps it all the way real when you meet her, she is just super sweet and hilarious. But let me stop talking and let you see for yourself. Speaker, author, podcaster, CEO, and founder of Bossed Up, Emily Aries, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Thank you so much, Amanda. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So what in the world has been going on with you? So you, you left Chocolate City and you're now where?
1: <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I, it's interesting. The timing is not, is not an accident. I left four years ago. And uh, Inauguration Day sort of demarcated my four-year anniversary in Denver, Colorado. So I felt it was a good time for me to get out of D.C. because I had actually started Boss Up in 2013 in D.C., which is such an amazing city and has so much more going on than just politics. But I'd started it because I had previously worked in campaigns and elections for many years as a yeah. campaign strategist. What? I had no yeah. idea that was your background. Wow! Yeah, so I'm an advocate by training. I studied political science at Brown University. I did a fellowship at the Harvard Kennedy School with Marshall Gans, who taught me about people power and change. He taught me not just the theory, but we really put it into practice as community organizers how to build movements. Uh, you know, covering all the history of movement building in this wonderful nation of ours, including the civil rights movement and beyond. But really understanding how people coming together can grow their power to create change. And I want that to find made,
0: badass from the beginning. Look at that.
1: <laughs> well, that made a big imprint on me. I was not actually a badass. Let me tell you. Uh, I'll tell you more about uh, how not a badass I was. I was in a totally messed up relationship at that time in my life. I was, I remember taking the, the train up from Providence, Rhode Island, where I lived. I was serving as the state director there for uh, organizing for America, Barack Obama's campaign 2.0 after entering the White House, the policy arm that helped pass health reform and get uh, Justice Sotomayor confirmed and lots of other things. Uh, and I was totally not feeling powerful in my life. I remember um, like physically not feeling powerful as I was hobbling my way off the train to go to my classes at the Kennedy School with a foot that had recently had surgery because of a broken bone, I was on crutches. And that was when I got feedback from my professor after hobbling my way up to Boston twice a week for an entire semester to take advantage of a fellowship, right? A free semester that I had applied to and gotten accepted to. And his his last comment on my final paper was, I'm really disappointed in how you've squandered this opportunity, Emily. Ouch. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> blooded <laughs> yeah. That was cold. I cried. I wept in the classroom. And it was kind of a microcosm of what was going on in my life because I really didn't show up 110% in that class. Mm. I wasn't even showing up 110% in this great job that I'd been offered, this huge leadership opportunity at a young age. I was the youngest state director in the nation. Mm. I think I was 21 when I got the job. and I was totally derailed by the fact that I was in a really
0: toxic relationship at the time. And that'll, that'll do it to you. I'm telling <laughs> you, it, you know, sometimes it, everything else could be great in your world, but dang, that, when you are in those relationships, it just yeah. trumps it all. <laughs> Absolutely. So
1: I, I, I'm sure we can talk more about that at some point, but I started Bossed Up many years later after having kind of hit my own personal rock bottom, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> having sometimes my Sometimes that's what it back. takes. Totally. Having rediscovered my power over my own life, having discovered the fact that martyring myself for the cause or the campaign is no way to live, uh, and that if you want to help others find their power, you got to find your own power first. And Bossed Up was born with that kind of energy. Uh, I mean, bust up the hip hop term, right? Like <laughs> it's all about the come up in the face of systemic injustice. And if anybody knows that, it's the Black American experience and the art forms that have stemmed from it, including hip hop, of which I am a lifelong fan. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> and so, yes. yeah, I mean, Bust Up was born as a training and development organization, career services company, to help women and marginalized
0: people create radical progress in their careers. Your your work comes with so much authenticity. I look at your work and I look at what you're doing now. And I'm just like, you were born that way. I even said that. And I'm like, oh, and I'm hearing all these things. I'm like, she's just like me. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you
1: got to keep it real with people. It takes, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because it takes a willingness to stick your neck out and be vulnerable. Absolutely. And bravery. Bravery, courage. We we call, I always say courage is contagious. And we have a courage community here at Boston. But it also takes privilege to be able to do that. So I think if you're worried about presenting a training for your employer, and your you know job is on the line, how much vulnerability feels safe there? You know what I mean? Exactly. So entrepreneurship has been uh, a huge risk for me, especially as someone whose like family has no history of entrepreneurship, um, who's you know at 26, I, I was living in D.C., having landed a digital strategist political job uh, having gone out of, from the field, you know, in the trenches, which I loved to really behind a desk, sending emails, fundraising for candidates. And it was cushy. Okay. And I was comfortable. I was making more money
0: than my parents had ever made and at 26. So easy to be complacent.
1: Oh, well money. Hello. Money yeah, does that. that too, yeah. That and, and Right. And we've been taught that's what success is. So then who am I to want anything more? And that held me back for a little while, not a long while though, before I walked away from it all and said, you know what, I got to risk it now before I get too comfortable. So I ventured out to start Bossed Up in 2013 with no financial support, no backing. I had saved up, squirreled away my own little padding of uh, financial sort of nest egg, and then did my taxes two weeks after I quit my job and realized, oh, i owe the government ten thousand dollars oh my gosh i learned the hard way that if you ever get contractor 1099 income on the side oh yeah you're gonna have to pay that back in a big big chunk if not quarterly payments as i should have been
0: all you entrepreneurs so, i hope y'all taking notes
1: and my nest egg my like safety net was more than cut in half <laughs> and i was broke within like three months so let me tell you they say uh necessity is the mother of innovation and that's always been true for me and my little scrappy business so
0: especially when you you don't have any other means you've got to just now create right
1: and I did end up going back to work for other people as I kept bossed up going on the side for two more years so you know I'm here to share the kind of the scrappiness (laughs) the realness behind what has turned out to be the job of a lifetime and my my bossed up business venture has become so much more than I ever thought it would be. And it's, yes. it's really an exciting time right now, but you know, it has, and you been now have tickets. a podcast too. Yep. We are on episode 303. Woo! So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Congratulations to you for venturing in. It's such a fun thing to do and yes. it can be such a great way to build relationships and have great conversations. But the bossed up podcast, oof, two episodes a week, amazing mm. guests. Oh,
0: two. Wow. Tip. Gosh, that's a lot yeah, of content.
1: <laughs> great, yeah, though. I, I consider myself a writer first, you know? So mm-hmm. podcasting and writing, like for me, creating Bossed Up was a way to create a sustainable, financially sustainable way to be writing all the yeah. time. And it's been a gift. It's been yeah. a real privilege.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things that we like to do, because you kind of shared kind of the motivation behind Bossed Up. And one of the mm-hmm. things that we that I like to do on the Know You First Podcast is have people share their selfish moments. Now, this is the time and place where you were just like, okay, I have to center myself, um, bring it back to the basics. Things that I'm doing right now just need to declutter. And Mm -hmm. the selfish moments is kind of the moment of clarity when you're focusing inward and you're trying to change your behavior for a better outcome. Mm. Um, As you either gone through your boss up journey and maybe even doing other things outside of that with your career, can you share a selfish moment here in the podcast of where you had to say uh, enough?
1: Yeah, totally. So this brings me back to that time earlier in my life I was telling you a little bit about at the start. I was waking up every day, ready to prove myself worthy of the job I'd been given with my DNC-issued Blackberry in one hand, if you remember those. <laughs> Oh God, the Blackberry. <laughs> I remember that and my my personal iPhone in the other before my feet hit the ground every morning. Right. I was like glued in, wired in. Uh, I would jump out of bed, stressed out late, you know, running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And then I'd spend God knows how many hours in the office until late at night or registering voters on the weekend or heading to fundraisers to network midweek. It was just like constant work.
0: I know. It's like partying became like a job. And then it's like I didn't you didn't want to do it anymore. (laughs) We're drinking.
1: Yes! Drinking became part of the job. <laughs> and that's that's what made things more complicated because as it turns out, my partner at the time who I cared for deeply, who was a leader in his own right, an elected official locally in, in Providence, uh, turns out he had a drinking problem, yeah. but it looked so normal because yeah. I had just gone from college, which is like, everyone's an alcoholic in college, uh, <laughs> sort of, or at least behaves like one. No, no, and, you're right. <laughs> At least that was my sort of my college experience. And then to politics, which is a fundraiser every night. And I didn't realize it for years, but I was being totally manipulated, gaslit. Uh, you know, I even though I was in the car when he got arrested for a DUI, right? Like mm-hmm. I was so aligned to addiction because I had no experience and my fancy education up to that point hadn't covered addiction yeah. at all. Yeah, And so I remember finally seeking support, breaking down in my doctor's office at an annual physical saying, she asked that question that is so powerful for medical providers to ask, which is, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? And <laughs> I wrote alcoholism and I just wept. And she said, I said, we got to get him into a therapist's office. We got to get him help because I need to fix him. Just like I need to, save The world by day, I need to save my boyfriend's life by night. That was the responsibility I'd taken on yeah. in no small part because my mother, who is an absolute saint, has set a really high bar. I think, like a lot of mm. her mothers have, oh, for of what, what a caretaker, what a nice lady is.
0: Yeah, She's especially if you have a nice mom. Totally, and I, had a, and I was totally blessed with a nice mom too, so I get it. I was like, Oh, I can't even be like a fraction of you.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And over the years, I've come to realize like she's been conditioned her whole life to be a caretaker, to care for others. Uh, She raised four of us kids, five if you count my dad, (laughs) and (laughs) she's a nurse too. So she's a professional caretaker. She's a labor and delivery nurse. So when I called her maybe a year before I talked to my doctor and said, I think he might have a drinking problem. Her first words on the phone were, oh, honey, be nice to him. Oh, wow. And that was just not what I needed to hear. Yeah. Right? And my yeah. mom and I have had lots of heart-to-hearts about that since. But
0: but that's how world... we were conditioned to do. Oh, totally. they must need taken care of. or Yes, you know. I must
1: martyr myself. Exactly. And that was the mindset I had. And it wasn't working. I was completely burning out, mm. trying to save the world by day and save my boyfriend's life by night. I finally got into the capable hands of a therapist myself. My doctor was like, mm, Maybe we should get you into a therapist's office before we worry about (laughs) your boyfriend. And that was brilliant. That was a stroke of genius on her part. And 23, 24 years old, for the first time in my life, I asked myself, What do I want? Mm -hmm. What do I want? Not what should I do? Not what's the next rung of achievement I should go get? Not like what's the right thing to do here? What the hell do I want to do? And it was a radical question because we are not given the opportunity to ask ourselves that often
0: no not at all and then when we think about well I don't know about you but there's a million and one things that go through my mind when I think about what I want to do so I'm kind of like an analysis paralysis and then I'm I, I it's hard for me to go yeah and it's, it's hard for me to take that t- next step because I'm like I, I, I want to do everything and yeah
1: and like I want to be nice to myself but I don't want to be mean to you
0: exactly. like I don't want to
1: throw you under the bus to go live my life and not take care of you forever and this person didn't even want my help. This person mm. was not ready to admit he had a problem. This person was light years away mm. from even acknowledging the reality of his very severe addiction. Yeah. Uh, and it got scary. It got bad. I'm not gonna, you know, just overshare to share, but sure. You know, the police were involved on
0: occasion, and that's I'll a lot to do with though. At 20-some, early 20-some totally. early. Yeah.
1: And I got to the point where I was like, you know what, my selfish moment is. I'm getting the fuck out of here. my <laughs> part of my language. I just, I just thought good. Well. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to go there. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I remember the last straw moment that he came home and was clearly not okay. Uh, it had clearly been drinking and I recognized all the signs and I'd like started to be very codependent and monitoring things. And, you know, I had found duffel bags of empty handles of vodka in the basement. It was bad. And I just grabbed a duffel bag myself, an empty one, filled it up with my stuff, grabbed the dog, and was out of there. And mm. it it dragged on for six more months. But leaving that relationship, kind of relinquishing responsibility, this false yeah. sense of responsibility that I had taken on myself that I was somehow in charge of how this person's life was going to go, not my responsibility. I left that relationship. I walked away from a fancy director-level job that had been offered to me in. Providence from another organization with staff with a budget to just go to DC because that's where I wanted to be that's yeah. the city I always wanted to live in and it was me my dog a coffee table and a mattress on the floor when I got there and I <laughs> felt like the richest woman alive and I started over from there it became a year of introspection I had a lot of work to do myself to understand why I was attracted to totally toxic people <laughs> continuously <laughs> <And> That <laughs> that took some work and in my moments of introspection, my year of reading and kind of diving into why are women actually conditioned to be martyrs in our society? Yeah. Yeah. What is happening here? That was the birthplace of Basta. Yeah. And a year later, I started hosting just little forums kind of with other women saying, hey, do you experience burnout too? Do you think it has something to do with how women are conditioned our entire lives to care for everyone else before we care for ourselves? That's Let's rude. talk about it. And the business was born at that moment on. It was, it's been, yeah. a, it's been a privilege and an honor to work from there. And the last thing I'll share on this. Yeah, please. Two weeks before our first ever in-person training Bossed Up Bootcamp, I get a call from my ex. This is the only time I have spoken to him since I left. And this is two years after I left him. Two weeks before Boss Up starts. And like, I actually co- go public with this story he calls to apologize for everything he's ever done. Step two in AA. <laughs> and he has, since I don't really know everything about his life at all, by any means, but he has sought help himself, not because I stayed, but because I left. That's right. That's and it right. felt like a cosmic reinforcement that yes, you can put yourself first. That's right. Not always, but not never. Yeah. That became a guiding mantra for me. That really did.
0: That was a beautiful story and the epitome to a selfish moment. We'll have more with our guest on the Know You First podcast with host Amanda Smith. And we are back on the Know You First podcast with host Amanda Smith. You touched on a couple things that I want to elaborate a little bit, because one of the reasons why I started looking at emotional intelligence, holistic learning as a learning professional, trying to provide these very dynamic learning experiences and opportunities for my teens and for companies. And when I got there, I realized that I was going up against other factors besides just meeting a bottom line. You know, yeah. their head wasn't in the game. Yeah. Uh, we weren't going anywhere. And, and there's a myriad of factors that play into it. Could be, you know, they don't even know why they're there in the first place. It could, it could be anything. Mm -hmm. And I started looking deeper and realizing that I'm only trying to change the behavior of a piece of someone. I'm not, you know, and and what I mean by that is I was only getting part of their focus on what they wanted to do and what I was trying to get them to do. And so it kind of created this insanity ball for for me and and learners, uh, especially when we weren't going anywhere. We didn't see the productivity after these experiences. And I just realized that we were dealing with some broken people trying to get them to change their behavior when there's some other things going on in the core. And so that's why I I decided to continue the work, putting you first self-worth, you know, self-doubt is a mother and this, this podcast and and revealing selfish moments like you just shared, I'm hoping to be able to kind of pull back those layers, Mm. pull back those titles and when you found out and did it, you ended up helping someone else. Right. And Absolutely. Those are the types of scenarios that I, I'm I'm starting to see play out. And I want to share more um here on the podcast. And another thing you touched on is you had the cushiony job, you you had the income, you had for the most part, you know, for a 20-someone year old you live in DC, you know, you look like you were doing it. Yeah. We are always trying to make things look pretty when Eventually, we know it's going to rear its ugly head. Some shape or form, it's going to come back. But we totally. always are accustomed to making it look pretty, casting our judgments on those who you know might be doing the same thing we're doing, but they're we're hiding it better. <laughs> totally, that
1: highlight reel. We all buy into the fallacy that that highlight reel is real, Absolutely. and that is not the whole story. Yeah, I think your point that when you walk into the office, you don't check your whole personal life at the door no. is so key. Exactly. And just to remember everyone has their own thing happening and it's it is hard to remember that sometimes uh but that's the, the reason you bring a humanist approach to work that's right It makes such a huge difference
0: absolutely had that comfort feels so good that mm. money looks so good not having to put effort into things look is just so good yeah um, but we know that's not going to get us to the level that we really are trying to achieve so would love to hear if you have some things to share on how we can get out of that complacent bubble.
1: Definitely. I have a strategy I call name the fear, tame the fear, because Ooh, it's in that. my experience that complacency or the kind of opposite overfunctioning or um, perfectionism is often just a form of fear. Right. Like yes. we don't move forward because we don't have the perfect plan yet. Yes. It's not a foolproof model yet. So we can't do it. So we have to do some more research and then we fall into research mode, which takes another five years, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Don't, don't click down too many research holes and then you're gone forever. You're like 17 tabs in and it's just, uh, you've made no progress. You've tricked yourself into feeling like you've made progress. Usually when I find myself in those moments, whether it's perfectionism or complacency, there's a fear behind my inaction. And the best way to fuel your fear is to keep it in the dark. That's right. Whisper, right? To not talk about it out loud. If it's taboo, if it's too scary to even articulate, then it will forever fester, right? Mm -hmm. In your subconscious. Silence brings shame. Silence magnifies fear. Silence around fear makes that fear feel much more powerful than shining your full light on it and saying, is this real? So when I was starting Bossed Up, I had a business plan. I had been writing it and rewriting it for a few months. (laughs) I had my little nest egg that was about to be sliced in half. And I said to my mentor at the time, okay, what now? (laughs) I've shopped the plan around to like 17 different people. She's like, well, I think think you need to start. And I was like, what do you mean? It looks so good on paper. I don't want to actually do this. Then it won't be as good. Right. And she said a really powerful question to me. She said, well, what is the worst case scenario? And I was like, damn, why are you asking me that? Like, that is a scary question. And I said, well, okay, let's be honest here. The worst case scenario is I try this. I run out of money in like three months. Uh, I can't move home because my parents had four of us kids and two were like a decade younger than me. So my, my bedroom was full, right? (laughs) Like there was no crashing on mom and dad's couch as an option. I was like, well, I guess I'll have to go get another job. Yeah. Worst case scenario. And
0: And, that is the worst case scenario. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I I felt pretty confident in my ability to get another job because when you work in campaigns come election day, win or lose, you're out of a job. (laughs) So Uh you get very good at getting your next job because it's part of the job. And it's also made me a great career coach today because I am very experienced in interviewing and resumes and all those different psychology hacks to succeed in the job search. So I said, okay, I think I could do that. And then she asked me that question. I articulated the fear. I named the fear. And all of a sudden it seemed a lot more doable. I think Mm -hmm. failure is very paralyzing in the abstract Course. So when you talk it out with someone and really come up with your plan B, it makes it all seem a little more doable. So what did I do? I launched Bossed Up. I quit my job. I launched Bossed Up's website that I built myself on WordPress. It was not pretty, but it worked. <laughs> I started advertising for our very first ever Bossed Up camp in DC. We sold out within like a month, which mm-hmm. was amazing. I hosted the boot camp. I learned so much and... Then I was promptly broke, <laughs> and like we had actually made a good chunk of money. But in the background, this little subplot was playing out, whereby I had this idea I wanted to launch it, and my friend, who was a running buddy of mine, who worked in cybersecurity for a, I think, a cool quarter of a million dollars a year, she oh. was like, "Ooh, I want to, I want to do that with you." And I was like, "All right." So we were co-founders. Okay. okay? And three months later, I was like, "This isn't working.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was about to remember, I don't remember anyone you know, else with <laughs> you. Know, you know.
1: And she and I have, very, have a very amicable relationship, and she's been extremely graceful uh, as I like, said, "Hey, can I write about this relationship in my book? You know, Could I share <laughs> about this?" She was super cool. But she had a really different vision for boss up. Yeah. And after our first incredibly successful training, I was like, in seventh heaven, I was like, "Let's look at the data. Let's figure out how to reiterate this. And she was like, not interested in that. She was (laughs) more interested in defending why she still deserved 50% equity in the company. I was like, where is this coming from? Oh, right. You didn't didn't do that much to make this happen. (laughs) You must be feeling a little insecure, right? Right, exactly. And we identified, oh, we have wildly different visions. And for the first time in my life, I was not willing to compromise on mine. I was like, (laughs) that worked. That's the thing I want to do. That's right. That's what I'm doing. That's so right. So what did I have to do? I had to buy her out. Oh gosh. <laughs> it means like there goes all of my money. And we shook hands. We actually went on vacation together the week we signed our dissociation agreement. <laughs> I sent her half the money in the bank account and I was like, "Well, I guess I need to go get a job." And so the worst-case scenario happened. Yeah. And it was totally doable. That's I landed right. a little campaign position. I moved across the country for a couple of months. All of this was like super on the DL too. My highlight reel didn't show this.
0: No, no. But, um, and that's yeah, the thing. We-, we only see the good stuff on these, on social media and, totally. and on TV. You know what I mean? We totally. only see the good stuff. So we feel inadequate. <laughs> totally.
1: So it definitely slowed my progress, but it didn't deter me. And I think, I think that's really key to your question. Like, how do you get up, brush your shoulders off? Try again. Even though it didn't quite go the way you thought it was going to go, right. you got to keep that momentum moving forward. And when you are depressed, when you're feeling isolated, when you're feeling dismayed, when you're feeling broke, that is really hard to do. Yeah. So you got to celebrate the moments that are working, no matter how small. And so That's Brad, right. Brad the Boo, and I had a funfetti cake tradition because funfetti cakes cost a dollar thirty-six at Safeway.
0: <laughs> and
1: even though things were not looking quite perfect. You know that boot camp was a massive success. So yeah. you bet your butt, we made us ourselves a funfetti cake to celebrate, and we kind of kept that tradition going uh, as we kept taking risks in our
0: respective careers. Yeah, and look what you learned from that—how mm-hmm. to kind of you know stay resilient, how to stick to your ground, how yeah. to um, know when to mix friends in business and when not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's totally. so many things that came of that. So, yeah, thank you for sharing. That is absolutely um, a good way to be able to figure out what you don't want Mm. to do is when you do it.
1: (laughs) And I'll tell you the lessons I had learned in the two years prior in my personal life are what equipped me to stand my ground in my professional life. Right. I had said, no, this is a boundary. I'm not doing this. This is not a relationship. I'm going to continue to allow myself to be in. And then that became true in my professional life as well, right? So like those muscles, that resilience, that courage, that risk Mm -hmm. tolerance, and that willingness to like make yourself proud at the risk of disappointing others. That's right. That is a skill that we have to practice and we have to unlearn putting likability above all else, which is taught to us as young women
0: and girls from a very young age. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I am a big quote person. I'm all yeah. about quotes. I love to write, but only, mainly creative writing, poems, and all that stuff. So cool. when I get my, absolutely. When I get my hands on something um, that's of inspiration, I'm a little obsessive with it. I like to just, you know, that's I put great. it in my journal and I reflect. Exactly. I mean, it's just my jam. It's kind of what mm-hmm. we do. We, we all have our thing, right? And, um, and so one of the things I like to do is on the segment called The Word. Is share either a quote or some words of affirmation that you, Emily Aries, Queen of Bossed Up, (laughs) actually refer to time to time again when you want to get to the next level or you feel like you're kind of taking some steps back? Mm. Um, Because, like I said, we see Bossed Up, we see you, and we just want to know what keeps you going.
1: Yeah. So this is this is the phrase that I turn to time and time again. And it was so key in the very beginning that we put it in what we call the Bossed Up Manifesto, which has a variety of phrases, some of which I've already shared today, like, um, you know, put yourself first, not always, but not never, right? That comes straight out of the Bossed Up Manifesto. So there's lots of little moments we've captured in this manifesto. I can share with you. I can get oh, you please. a copy. Absolutely. Uh, Thank my you. favorite is this one. Have confidence in your ability to figure it out. Hmm. What that means is you don't know how to figure it out right now, right? You don't have to have bravado. You don't have to have pretend showy confidence that like, oh yeah, I can totally do this. Because sometimes we hype ourselves up to feel like I can totally do this. I'll totally nail this on the first try. And then we set our expectations way too high. But instead, if you have confidence in your ability to figure it out later, like, then that gives you permission to say, I don't actually know how to do this right now. But I would bet that future me can learn, right? Mm. I'm going to have confidence, not in my ability to do it, but in my ability to figure it out. And that has seen me through some real uncertainties, including this pandemic, when my (laughs) business model shifted from 100% in-person operations, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Boot camps, trainings, public speaking, to completely pivoting. To online accelerators for job seekers, for women leaders on the rise, for folks who want to speak up and own their voice and be more concise, compelling, and confident communicators. Now we've got different programs that are all happening online and create that kind of bossed up community and that courage in an online world that has sustained our business (laughs) through this crazy pandemic. But did I know how we were going to find our way out when the pandemic first hit? Nope. But I had confidence in our ability. To figure it
0: out. I love that because we are all trying to figure it out right now. And we we all don't have the answers. Right. But if we like you said, if we do have some confidence that at some point we will figure it out, then that will be the thing that kind of gets us over the edge. So yeah. I, I love that. You sleep at night. Too. Absolutely. Like I'm
1: not going to figure this out tonight. That's right. but I will figure it out and that's okay. So I can like go to bed.
0: <laughs> you know exactly. Exactly. So how can one get involved? We kind of heard about some of the yes. things that you're doing right now. How can we get tapped into what you're doing with your podcast, these workshops that you just shared? Definitely. Thank you so much, above. Amanda, for Absolutely. the opportunity.
1: For sure. So we're we're doing a lot at Bust Up. My team has grown, actually. so that Now there's four of us full-timers, mm-hmm. and uh, we have so many different things happening. But if you're listening to this podcast, you should just search Bust Up wherever you're listening to this podcast. You will find mine. Subscribe now so you never miss an episode. We have tons of expert interviews on everything from job searching to leadership development to uh, justice, right? Social justice, equity, inclusion. And I would love to have you as a pod pal, as a mm-hmm. listener, friend of the show, uh, right. like you are, Amanda. And head to bossedup.org where you can learn more about Speak Up, our public speaking program, uh, Level Up, which is our Ciara-inspired Uh, leadership development accelerator, which has opportunities for both emerging leaders who are those women who don't yet have direct reports, but really want to get to that level and team leaders for a six month, really dynamic, incredibly rich learning experience. And then of course, hired, which is our job search accelerator. And that program has been just going bonkers because there's really nothing else like it out there. It's a three month accelerator where you work with a a coach and a cohort of four other job seekers every single week. And our job seekers are having so much success, even in this really tumultuous time. It just, it is so inspiring to see what our, what our community's doing. And then we also have our planners, the Bossed Up Life Mm -hmm. Tracker planner and the Life Tracker insiders community for women who just want you know, a monthly community of goal getters to be a part of who want yeah. content and resources and inspiration and frankly, a swift kick in the behind <laughs> to like get going on their goals. Guilty, so. we all,
0: <laughs> we could all use that, Tama too. <laughs> totally. I,
1: I feel like I'm everyone's uh, part like big sister energy, part drill sergeant
0: when it comes <laughs> to
1: making your goals and yourself a priority. That's my favorite role.
0: Well, I love that, Emily keep doing all the work that you're doing. It's not going unnoticed. I, you know, sure. like I said, we had met years ago, but I saw that you had launched a podcast and I saw the amazing things that you're still doing and missed it all. Yeah. Um, it's
1: been a while now. It's like eight years later. Almost, I know. So I get that. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, and you're still thriving and, and I love it. And I'm in love with the work that you're doing because again, you're real in these issues and you're not afraid to tackle the hard, challenging mm. things that, people don't really want to talk about in professional settings. Mm-hmm. And so you spotlight those issues, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and and magnify it and offer some real solutions. So oh, keep it so up. Much.
1: That means so much to me. Because when I began, I was like, we are not starting the women's leadership. Institute I know, ever. I was like, oh gosh, I was Like we are not doing that. <laughs> I was like, if we're going to do this thing, if we're going to actually jump off this cliff and take these risks, we're going to do it in a way that's awesome. Yes, and that speaks exactly. to like, I think honestly, like hip hop has been such a source of inspiration, but also it's been part of my education. Yes. As a white presenting Lat- half Latina Jewish woman from Connecticut, right? Like it has been <laughs> a big part of my education. I feel like I am, I'm not just like thriving at Boston, I'm learning and growing faster in this role than any job I could have.
0: And I'm going to tell and you, privilege. and you know, you brought that up. So I'm going to speak on it. I appreciate you using your privilege and for your platform in order to inspire and keep informing people about these issues. So I want to say thank you to you and how you're using your privilege, Emily. I totally notice it. My tribe noticed it. And we're super proud that we have you as an ally. So thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I appreciate that. All right, guys. So, you know, I can talk to Emily all day about, <laughs> um, about bossing up. And all the wonderful things that she's doing, but um, we can't. I have to sign off. So until next time, Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. And um, yeah, selfish moments, guys. Keep them coming. Absolutely. (laughs) The word. The word. This week's the word comes from Valicia Butterfield Jones.